This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hello, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Today, we want to talk about influence in the the current world out there. The age of influence, so to speak. That's what I was looking for. Um, and that's also the title of the new book of Neil Schaefer. Neil, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Christoph. It's, it's an honor to be here. So the age of influence, of course, that's you're talking about the power of influencers to elevate your brand. Uh, I mean, we, you know, I've done influencer campaigns. So have you um, uh, maybe even on both sides of the coin, at least I have. Yeah. Um, but why did you tell me about the book? Why did you write it? What was the need in the market and um, what do we need to know? Yeah. So this is my fourth book. Uh, my first two books about LinkedIn, my third book called Maximize Your Social about how to create a social media strategy. And I basically, you know, write books based on the needs that I see in the industry at the time. And it really hit me about two years ago that instead of people asking about, you know, social media strategy or ROI from social media marketing, um, you know, as industries mature, new needs come out. And I started getting asked a lot about not just influencer marketing, but a lot of a lot of marketers that were interested in developing a more robust personal brand. And they were saying, you know, how can we become more influential in our industry, maybe as salespeople, maybe as marketers? So I thought that this concept of influence, that there was a lot behind it. And I also realized that a lot of marketers were just equating influencer marketing with huge celebrities on Instagram or YouTubers when digital influence is everywhere today. And that's where I decided to really, you know, test market the idea for the book. And I used a platform that allowed me to do that. And I got an overwhelming response from people saying, well, we'll pay money in advance for you to write the book. Um, and as I was doing more research and reading more case studies and looking at the way that other marketers were talking about influencer marketing, I just realized that there was an untold story to be told. And I wanted to tell it. And I really wanted to try to enlighten and, and redefine and Really, I think there's just been a lot of miseducation out there about the subject. So um, that was my mission. And I finally, uh, it took me a little while, but after a while, the book finally published on March uh, 17th, um, right in the middle of all these coronavirus lockdowns. So not the best time to publish a book, uh, <laughs> but uh, it is available on Amazon and everywhere. And I'm, I'm really excited to get the message out there. And we'll certainly put the link in the, the show notes. So wherever you're listening, you can go there and click on that. Um, what's the story that, needed to be told that wasn't being told? Well, I think there's a, there's a few different stories on a few different levels. But number one, um, some things that we've been doing in marketing are influencer marketing. So, you know, that term really today we equate with sort of Instagrammers and YouTubers and Snapchatters and TikTokers. But things like affiliate marketing are influencer marketing, things that we've been doing for a long time because you're reaching out to people that have digital influence. That influence maybe on their blog, maybe not the sexiest of websites or social media sites, but that is influencer marketing. When you're reaching out to other websites, trying to get a link back to your website through either a guest blog post 
or, uh, or, or what have you. That, that's influencer marketing. You are reaching out to a website that has higher domain authority, higher digital influence in the eyes of Google in hopes of by doing that, you are going to become more influential. By asking to become a guest on a podcast, that is influencer marketing. You're trying to tap in to that influencer's community. When you ask bloggers or when you ask people to contribute to a blog post, 20 experts talk about what to do with the coronavirus pandemic if you're in influencer marketing. That's influencer marketing. You're reaching out to 20 people in hopes that they are going to actually share that with our community. Now, I, I think that's like the first thing, right? Is that all these are types of influencer marketing. When we look at this holistically, we're tapping into people that have digital influence. And most likely that digital influence is more than what we have. So that's really number step, uh, step one, right? And this includes employee advocacy because we're tapping into our employees as influencers. And the reason why I think a lot of these programs aren't as successful as they could be is they don't treat the employees as influencers. And it's also brand advocacy. You're tapping into your fans as influencers, right? So this is really the, the first step is to reset, you know, how do we define influencer marketing? It includes all of those concepts. You're leveraging other people that are individual people, individual social media users that have some amount of digital influence. And I think I'll stop there. Did all that make sense, Christoph? Makes sense so far. Okay. So, of course, I, I have to put my journalism hat on here for a second, Neil. Please. And so, you know, I so we're recording this right in the middle here of the coronavirus. And, um, you know, I've written about the coronavirus like every day. And every day I quote people, right, who have something to say of value that I think is of value. And all these articles, um, I haven't seen traffic like it for new articles in a long time, right? They're just being read out of the gate. There's no waiting for SEO or whatever. It's just people reading them. So certainly part of that is because everybody that's being quoted is sharing them, which is kind of what you're mentioning, right? You have the experts and then they share their, their content. But at the end of the day, you can't just interview people because they have a huge following, right? If the stuff, sure. if the quotes they give you, they have to offer value, right? Or people will never come back. Yeah, it obviously has to be newsworthy. And I mean, what, what you're doing, Christoph, I would, I mean, it's part influencer marketing, but also really newsjacking is probably the, right. is probably the biggest, uh, you know, factor of that. But yeah, you can't just randomly do it. It has to be relevant. You need to pick and choose those people. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're choosing them not just because they're experts, but also because you hope that they're going to share that with their community, which many do without you even having to ask. And it gives you a little bit of social proof and authority that you've been able to get access to these people. So it works on a few yeah. different levels. Yeah, most people, most people do share that on their own. And, you know, I even when I get quoted, I have a media page now on my website. So I link to anybody that quotes me unless they totally got it wrong, which which is rare. There you go. Um, so but how do you uh, so how do you find the people that you should um, partner with? Like what's I mean, you, you see some of these lists. Right. And there's the same people over and over and over. <laughs> and it's like, you know, OK, these are the top 10, whatever they have been the top 10 for the eight last the eight years, right? Or eight out of the 10 last years. Right. How do you find people you want to partner with and, and uh, how do you know they're right for your brand? Well, thank you for using the word partner. In, in, in my book, I, I talk about, you know, a collaborative spirit, collaboration, because that's really what this is about. You're getting benefit, they're getting benefit. And guess what? The benefit for them isn't always monetary. There are people that will do things for free because they love your brand or they want to be part of something. So um, 
this is really the first stage of influencer marketing is the strategy. What are you trying to do? Or I like to use the words of Tim Ferriss, what would success look like? If you were to work with all these crazy influential people online, um, what do you want to get out of that relationship? And, and therefore, when you know what you want to get out of it, you know what to measure, you know what the objectives are. And therefore, after that, we can go a little bit further and try to figure out who are those perfect people? Who are those avatars, not for our end customer per se, or, or you know, customer personas, but influencer persona? Who, who, who do we want to collaborate with that can reach a community that we want to tap into, right? So there are tools out there that can help, but every tool has an algorithm, has AI. Um, you know, I, I always recommend, assuming that you are a user of social networks, to really begin from a consumer perspective or from a client perspective. If they were looking for advice or if they were looking for information on a topic, who would appear in search results? Whether they're search results on Google, on Twitter, on Instagram, or LinkedIn, who pops up as people that are talking a lot about this or if you have competitors right who is following your competitor who is your competitor following who are commenting on your competitors posts and this is a really easy way i know it's a little down and dirty um but this is going to be the best way to ensure that you're actually targeting the right people um, because if i was interested in being influenced by someone these are the same steps that i would take so if you go through that exercise and you do searches based on you know, keywords, I'm assuming, um, but also looking at your competitors, you're going to find a lot of people out there, some that have more followers than other. But that was the second point I wanted to make, you know, in the influencer marketing industry that is dominated with Instagram, you know, it started with, well, you need to have 100,000 followers to be considered an influencer. And then with micro influencers that went down to 10,000 and with nano influencers that goes down to a thousand if not 500, according to some people. So really, it's not about having 100,000 followers. Even people with 1,000 followers have digital influence. And if 10% of 1,000 followers or 100 people engage, uh, whereas someone with you know 10,000 followers, only 1% engage, you're going to tap into the same size. You're going to get the same amount of engagement, right? And the people with smaller communities, they didn't go out of the way to buy followers. They're probably not buying engagement, right? Um, and they probably are more niche and have a more authentic and, and deeper relationship with the community, which, which is why a lot of influencer marketers are, are reaching out to them. But that's that's the other thing. You're going to have various, you know, uh, uh, follower accounts, regardless of social network or if it's a blog, it's going to have a domain authority or or an Alexa traffic rank. And it's, it's really, you know, putting them in a spreadsheet um, and, you know, trying to find who are the who are the people that seem most aligned with your brand, with your culture with that target community and from there it's starting a relationship but influencer identification is the number one challenge for for influencer marketers i'd say you know roi measurement being number two but it is you know the roi of your influencer marketing is tied to influencer identification if you work with the wrong people it's going to be terrible roi if you work with the right people it could be exponentially great roi and that's the challenge. You want to make sure you work with the right people. So my strategy that I talk about in the age of influence is let's flip it on its head, right? If everybody has digital influence or some amount of digital influence, or let's look at it this way, Chris, you've probably heard of this 99-1 model where 90% of us are lurkers, 9% of us are engagers, and 1% are true content creators. So if there are 500 million LinkedIn users, that means there's 5 million potential people that have a little bit more influence than the other 495 million. That's still a lot of people, right? But the key thing here is instead of 
thinking of influence as number of followers, thinking of influence as people who have brand affinity for you, who would love to talk about your brand and social media. And that's where, when we talk about people that have brand affinity with you, we start with employees. We then move to partners in your ecosystem. We then move to customers and then we move to fans and followers. And I would absolutely start with these people. It's time to hook up your CRM with your shopping cart, with your Instagram followers, with your LinkedIn company page followers, and start to figure out who are your customers, who are your employees, who are your followers, who is active on social media, who has a community on social media. And that would absolutely be the best place to start because these are people you probably don't have to negotiate for a transactional relationship. It's going to be more of a long-term brand ambassador type of relationship. And this is one of the, the key messages I talk about in the age of influence. Once you've redefined all these different things as influencer marketing, and we've redefined that digital influence is everywhere, why would you go out of your way to contact someone that may have never heard of your brand or doesn't even like your brand and try to negotiate something that's going to be, you know, probably more like a transactional one night stand where you can be building long-term relationships with people that already love your brand for various reasons with various brand affinity. Of course, what's interesting about that too is there's a lot of brands in um, different verticals, right? So whether I know a specific brand, but they do kind of what other brands do too, um, and it's and it's a match. Other than that, there, there, it could potentially work. Now, my my question for you is this though: it drives it really drives me crazy, Neil, when people call me when they have public relations in their title. And they say, hey, I'm working with this brand and they want to work with you and whatever. And I say, oh, sounds great. What do they do? And if I don't have anybody I'm working with in that area, I, I would be open to it, right? I can't have, or at least it's strange, right? When you have two of almost competing companies that you're currently endorsing. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I always ask, what do they do? Who, who do you consider your competitors? Okay, I don't work with them. I don't even know them um, sometimes. But the PR people get paid by getting me to do something for free, right? And then sometimes people say to me, oh, um, we'll pay you an exposure. And I, then I, my answer usually is, well, thank you. I'm, I'm pretty good exposing myself. Ha ha. <laughs> but uh, what are some, I mean, give me some hints here. There's, I always like to learn something too. What are some, some things that are non-monetary and that could convince people to participate without getting paid? Mm, that's a great question. One of the key things, and once again, I'm sure your listeners are from a variety of industries. So there are some that are more appropriate for B2B, some that are more appropriate to B2C. But if you're trying to reach out to someone because you think they have influence, other brands have probably already reached out to them. Now, uh, when I present on this, I usually have a slide of all the different things that companies can offer people or offer other companies. It's not just money. It might be the most common one is free product. And I'm like you, Christoph. I have a lot of people reach out to me and I have been able, and I know that others have been able to successfully monetize that. In fact, I had so many tools companies, you know, marketing tools, social media marketing tools, reach out to me asking for me to check out their tool, try their tool, review it on the blog. It's like, you know what? I'm going to make a conference out of this. I called it the social tool summit. I know we talked mm -hmm. about that a few years ago uh, to monetize that. Right. So um, here's the thing. Uh, the number one thing that brands are doing right now to uh, get people to do stuff for free is to give them product. So when those tools companies reach out to me now, I don't have a social tools summit. They'll say, we'll give you a 30 day free trial. I'll say 30 day free trial. 
anybody can sign up for a 30 day free trial. It, right. <laughs> right. That, that has, that's like a slap in the face. I'm like, if you want to work with me, you need to give me lifetime access for free. Because if you really want to value a relationship with someone and you really think they're an influencer, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you penny pinch influencers? And that's the key thing here that, you know, we're not talking about penny pinching in terms of budget, but in all the other things you can do, we're going to put on an event. We want to invite you to speak. A, a very common one now is we want to invite you to be a speaker on a, on a webinar series. And guess what? We're going to share the leads with you, right? This is something I've had a lot of conversations about recently. So there's a lot of different things. Give exclusive access, a VIP customer support line. Um, you know, hey, when the pandemic's over, we're going to fly you out to our headquarters, uh, especially if these content creators do like video, there are companies that have video studios. A videographer would love to have access to a video studio for a day, right? Or an influencer who doesn't have access to a video studio. Uh, so there's a lot of different things once you start thinking outside of the box that you can offer influencers, but you're not going to know until you begin a conversation with them. And the conversation isn't, we'd love for you to post this on Instagram. We're going to send you a product. Will you do it? The conversation is, hey, we love your work. Hopefully you're already following them. Hopefully you've already commented on their and engaged with their, with their content. Um, and hey, we love your work. Um, you know, this is what our brand does. We see a lot of alignment with your audience. Don't know if you work with brands right now, but we'd love to find a way to collaborate together. Are you open for a phone call to discuss? And that's the well, easiest way. Open up a line. And, and I'm actually glad we're recording this in the midst of the pandemic, because this is something... You may be putting a pause on your Facebook ad spend, what have you, but this is something you can be doing virtually right now is developing relationships with influencers so that when we get through this and when the marketing budgets go back online, you're going to be way ahead of the competition. I, I'm sure you want to say something, Christoph. so I'll, I'll take a pause there. Yep. Very interesting. So um, I, I do agree with the whole thing about um, especially webinars or like they have these summits now, right? Um, I usually participate in those, even for free, as long as they don't charge the participants, right? And if they share the email list, I mean, it's win-win. Yep. You know, I got 5,000 new names, and I used the same, the same video I've used for the last eight summits. Um, so I didn't even do any work. Um, the other for thing, you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I, I, was, I was actually, funny story, I was watching one the other day. And at the beginning, I actually say, hi, I'm Christoph Trapp. Welcome to the summit. <laughs> I, don't oh, even, I don't even I don't even say what summit. So I've been <laughs> using that same one. And Christoph, for I, I am with you. When virtual summits reach out to me, if I don't get access to the email list, some of them will say only those that signed up for your session and they're all using Hey Summit and they can track that. I'm okay yeah. with that. But um, if I don't get access, I, I just won't do it. Like reach out to someone right. else that will do it. And as you become more influential, you can actually talk on those terms. And this is a really important point, Christoph, because one of the chapters in my book is all about how and why brands should become more influential themselves. Because the more influence you have as a brand, the more the influencers want to work with you, right? It 100% agree. And, you know, even when I look at um, uh, projects, right, when people reach out or I run into brands, you know, some brands have a negative connotation. I don't want to work with them, right? I know what mm -hmm. they stand for. Some have a positive one, and then some have a neutral, right? I don't know them. They could go either way. Um, so absolutely, 100% agreed. Um, so we talked a little bit about campaigns, right? So you have a campaign, um, but is influencer mar – so content marketing, right, is not 
the most powerful tool when you run a campaign and another campaign, you have to kind of keep going, right? We've talked about that before. Is influencer marketing the same? I mean, does it work when you do campaigns or do you need to build a long-term strategy with, you know, with a group of people or something like that? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer this question. It's a great question in a roundabout way. Christoph, when you, do you teach people to have short-term budgets for content marketing or to make content marketing a line item in their marketing budget? It, I mean, it has to be a line item because otherwise, you know, you do it for three months. And now, you know, the latest numbers I saw is B2C content marketing can take a few months to actually show up, right? Mm-hmm. B2B, it's like two years. And if you only do it for three months, how are you going to succeed? Yeah. And you know what? Influencer marketing is, is no different because the longer term relationship you have with influencers, the more benefits you have and the greater chance that you convert them into becoming true brand advocates. And what I mean by that is they will mention you in social media online without you having to ask them to do it because they become a fan. And that's really if you're just doing these one term, you know, one time things, it doesn't make sense. So I said it about social media like a decade ago, right? Social media, is, it, it's not a campaign. It's a commitment. And it's the same thing with influencer marketing. It shouldn't be, oh, we have a new product launch. We're going to do an influencer campaign. You want to have a program of people that you can tap into all year long, depending on whatever marketing objective or if you're going to have an event or new product, whatever it is that you can tap into. So it's really, it's not about a campaign. It's about community and about fostering and building this community of, of, of people that you can leverage. Obviously, it's a win-win relationship, but that's really the best thought process. Um, and you know, similar to content marketing, it, it takes time because guess what? You can't scale relationships. You can you know, use tools to automatically send a message to 100 people in hopes that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll write for your blog or whatever it is, but um, you need a more one-to-one approach here with influencer marketing because these are influencers. You, you want to make sure you get off on the right foot because if you get off on the wrong foot, they're never going to work with you again and you, you miss out on that opportunity. And they may speak negatively. I mean, I, I don't do it in public, but I've, I've had negative, um, you know, I, I had one company, I'm not going to say who they were, you know, we want to we want to sponsor a podcast episode. We go through the back and forth for a few days and it's like, well, you know, I accept sponsors, but the message has to be aligned with my audience. And I said, what do you want to talk about? They gave me the title description and I said, OK, this is how you can talk about it, but it's aligned with my audience. And they go, oh, you know what? It, because your community is not aligned with our audience, we decided that we're not going to do it. Um, and I will never invite that company on my podcast ever because of that experience. If you knew that. From the beginning, why did you go through the exercise? So we are people. Influencers are people. All those people reading your content, I'm sure you talk about this with, with content marketing and storytelling, Christophe, is that they're all people, right? And you need mm-hmm. to resonate with them with emotion, right? But they are also going to respond to you emotionally. And when you reach out to people as if you're a friend, how can we work together? You need to be really careful. And I don't want to scare you in any ways, but that's why you want to start open-ended and you really want to make sure you're working. You did your research in advance. You're not just reaching out to people because they have a lot of followers. You looked at their profile. Are they talking about things that are relevant? When they talk about those things, are people engaging? Does it look like, you know, what they talk about is part of their DNA or was it just like a one-off? Um, you know, I, I've had like a custom suit manufacturer reach out to me because all of my profile photos, I'm in a suit. But that's, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a fashion influencer. I don't talk about clothing at all. <laughs> 
So th that's, uh, you know, they offer me a hundred percent discount. I never used it because it's not, you know, mm -hmm. I, first of all, I'm not in it for that sort of money, but um, it just, it, it didn't make sense. It's, it's irrelevant to my followers. They, they would think it's awkward and it would look like an advertisement, even though it's coming from an influencer. So just some things to think about there. <laughs> so I, I think I can top your story. <laughs> oh, really? I, Go for it. So, so I one time had a company reach out and we went back and forth a little while. I'm trying to figure out what they do. And it turned out they were really a male enhancement kind of pill, right? Oh, boy. And, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't know why. I guess 50% of my listeners and readers might be male, um, I, I guess. Or maybe the other, the, the women buy it for the guys. I don't know. And so I was like, okay, well, well, I mean, it doesn't fit at all, right? So I sent him back a quick proposal. It didn't take me long. And really what it came down to is I would do this one video for them for a quarter million dollars, right? Wow. And so I, I, I said, hey. I mean, sure, I'll do it. Here's the price tag. And they wrote back and they said, let's take, let's take a look. And then a couple of days later, they wrote back, well, after further um, evaluation of your audience, we don't think it's a fit. And I'm like, well, no kidding, but I have to send you an outrageous, <laughs> you know, wow. proposal. So to wrap us up here, uh, the other thing you mentioned is uh, misperceptions out there. What are some of the misperceptions that, that we're seeing that we need to overcome? You know, I think we went through a lot of that, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, influencers are not just on Instagram. They're not just 20 something millennials, females that are showing the latest dress that they bought or they received or the latest handbag that they received and they're getting paid $5,000 for, um, it, you know, influencer marketing is a lot broader. It covers any industry, not just B2C. It's as relevant for B2B as it is B2C. Nonprofits can use them. Uh, even when I spoke to one of the big five uh, pharmaceutical brands and I went through all the different, you know, digital marketing avenues, the one that they were most interested in was influencer marketing. And for pharmaceutical brands, this is more about really working together, probably with NPOs that with nonprofits that actually speak to your community. They, they are in the influencers. So it's really taking a holistic look, right? And influencers, not everybody's real, but not everybody's fake. They're not just in it for the money, but yes, they have to get paid. Just like Christoph, you have to get paid. I have to get paid. Um, I think these are the big things. So once you just reset your mind of all the misconceptions or all the things you thought about influencer marketing, hopefully after you've listened to this podcast, and if you were to read The Age of Influence even more so, I'd go a little bit deeper into this. But that's the key thing. Really think about who you can collaborate with and start with the people around you. Start with the people that already know, like, and trust you. Look for people that have some some sense of, of digital influence and go from there. Uh, and I think uh, as you grow that program and as you actually teach people how to become more influential, one of my favorite people that I, that I love to talk to is Martin Jones, who's director of marketing over at uh, Cox business. And um, I, you know, he's told me about his employee advocacy program. And I think this is public information. They were actually, when clout was still available, the social score, which tells your influence, mm -hmm. they were actually, teaching their employees how to get a higher cloud score. And they were, you know, they were giving them objectives. You want to get to a cloud score of 50 after the first month, what have you. And I've talked to brands recently that are looking to bring in influencers to train and educate their nano and micro influencers on how to create better photos, how to create better videos, how to post, you know, how to become more of a storyteller in your Instagram captions. So it's all about community and it's about fostering that community. Once you see the light, I think you see influencer marketing as a really impactful line item in your budget, and you're going to be able to see the ROI from that. 
And uh, Age of Influence available on Amazon.com. Obviously, any uh, is there any other place? That yeah, it was, check it out. It was published with HarperCollins leadership, so part of HarperCollins, which publishes Gary Vaynerchuk's book. So I'm sure it's available uh, anywhere and everywhere, and internationally as well. Sounds good, Neil. Thanks for joining us and the update on the Age of Influence. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been an honor. Thanks everyone uh, for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Mm -hmm.